So this morning, we are going to continue our series looking at um, Make War. And we're going to be, we have several different verses we're looking at, but our main text comes out of 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're looking at the story of David and Goliath. And, and as we think of trunk and treat, and now we're, we've kind of hit that fall weather, and I already see people starting to put up all their decorations for, for Halloween and, and all of that. Um, how many of you have enjoyed in the past going to um, a haunted house? Anybody? Some of you are like, we're in church, we're not allowed to admit that. It's okay. Um, you know, but we go to, we go to haunted houses and, and we have a, a good time and we like having that scared feeling inside of us. And, and this year, people were like, hey, listen, COVID needs to end because for Halloween, it's on a Saturday night. It's going to be a full moon. It's like we can't mess this up. Like people are really, really excited about many of these things. But, you know, when I stop and think about haunted and being scared, Um, Some of us really have trouble with our past. And so what I want us to talk about this morning is how we get past our past. How do we overcome it? How do we live with victory in mind? And what we need to do, we talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to continue to build on it, is we have to find our identity in Christ. There's a lot of things that we try to find our identity in, and they take us away from Christ. And and many times, they're not even bad things, yet they still take us in a direction that we shouldn't. You know, when when you stop and think about a snapshot of your life, you take a picture that, that really we can take, and it can define us if we're not careful. And we, we take a picture, and I want you to think of a, a favorite childhood memory. I, I want you to think of one of those pictures that stands out in your mind. And, and whenever you have that picture, um, there's a lot that goes on that isn't captured in that picture. One of them that I have I want to show for you here this morning. Uh, this is a picture of me and my cousin, and uh, she. It, this was the first wedding that I ever did. Um, and, and it looks like a great picture, right? I mean, it was an awesome day. But what the picture doesn't show is that not only um, did did I get to do her wedding, but as the service began, um, the maid of honor was supposed to have the ring. And the maid of honor forgot the ring. And so she goes, oh, and she has to run out to go get the ring and to come back. And it was a little bit of a stressful moment in that time. What you also don't know about this picture is that I did that entire service with my zipper down. (laughs) Thankfully, it wasn't captured in any of the pictures. But now, any time that I do a wedding, I I go back and I'm standing with the guys and I said, okay, guys, zipper check. And they're like, what? I said, check your zippers. And then sometimes I really, I, I have to share the story. It's not one of them that I enjoy sharing, but I, hey, just check your zipper. You want to make sure, because that's the last thing that you want to have done going into a wedding. Then there's another picture that I wanted to share with you. And you're like, Travis, why are you showing us your legs? Um, if you look at my left leg, you'll see that um, I have a brace underneath of that one shoe. 
Now, this was a very exciting day for me because I hadn't been able to put a tennis shoe on on my left foot for almost three months. Um, I had broken my ankle in one of the worst places that you could break it. I had five different breaks. I tore the ligaments on both sides, the main tendon coming down. I severed the nerve. The doctor said, well, if you were going to break it, you did it right. Um, That was an exciting day for me. Being able to have a shoe on that left foot, being able to walk on it without having a cast or an air cast or walking with a big boot on my foot, it was exciting. Yet it doesn't define what was going on in my life. Because as exciting as that day was for me, and I got to start to walk, and I was looking forward to being able to play softball again, and and to run around with my kids again, and, and, and mow the yard again, and all of that fun stuff. The other thing that was defined in that picture was the fact that uh, over the next two and a half months, I dealt with a very strong, serious addiction to painkillers. It was a very, very hard time for me, for my kids, and for my beautiful wife. And while I went through that time, and it was one of those that I thought I could, I could defeat it on my own. And I didn't tell Teresa that I was having a trouble with it, but she knew. And I was, I, I, to say that I understood what it was like to be strung out, I understand when someone says that they have gone through those times. Because I would go all day long without having to take a pain p- pill. But in order to fall asleep at night, I couldn't without taking one of those little tiny white pills. And I didn't want to do it. And I didn't want to take it. So I would go for days on end with no sleep. Because I didn't want to take that medicine. I got really close with the Walmart people. Because at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep and I didn't want to keep Teresa up. I would just go out and I would drive around and I would eventually end up at Walmart and I would just walk around inside the store because it kept my mind off of things and I made sure that I was hiding it from Teresa because it was the last thing that I wanted to do was to disappoint her. And finally, one day she says to me, she says, Travis, I've talked to my doctor uh, that she worked for, a neurologist. She says, you have an appointment. I said, what are you talking about? She says, we have to do something to get you off of these pain pills. And thankfully, with his help, I was able to get on another medicine that knocked that habit very quickly. And I was very thankful, and and the whole point to that is the fact that I say all of this, and I share my story with you, and if it is ever anything that you have struggled with, whether it be alcohol, whether it be um, over-the-counter drugs, or hard narcotics. If you need someone to talk to, I'm here for you because I know what it's like to be in that place. And if it wasn't for Teresa, I don't know where I would have ended up or what could have happened because I started wondering what would happen if I stopped getting my medicine. What happened if the doctor were all of a sudden to have cut me off?
And so if I can help you, if I can be there for you, I would love to be there for you. But again, that one picture that you see there doesn't really give you everything that I went through. Pictures capture a moment in time. But we're fooling ourselves if we say that a picture tells the whole story. They fail to tell the toddler tantrums. They, they, they fail to, to share the, the marital spats and all of the life that is happening and surrounding that one moment in time. Pictures are truly priceless, but they are nothing more than memories. If isolated moments in our lives, we all have something in our past that we deeply regret. Things that we just don't want to talk about. But what I want you to understand is those things that you don't want to talk about, those things that you hold deep inside, it's just a snapshot of an event. Something that you did, something that you've done, something that has happened to you, a rough patch, a season in your life that you can get past. But if we aren't careful, we can allow that one little snapshot, that one moment in time to blow up and to completely take over who we are. The one moment, the one season in our past, it is not what defines you. Christ is what can and will define you if you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. If you aren't careful, you can allow that snapshot to overtake your life. But we, as Christians, have a new identity in Jesus Christ. And, and if you are outside of Christ here this morning, I want you to know that we are here for you and we want to help you get through your past. Last week, we, we talked about children of God versus enemies of God. And there are many of you here today that even though you are in Christ and you have been saved, and we looked at those four things last week that may be holding you captive, it's just a snapshot of your past. And that's what I want us to talk about today. Don't be, don't be captive to your past. We go to John chapter 11. And in John chapter 11, verses 43 through 44, we read about the story of Jesus and Lazarus. His very, very good friends who lived in Bethany had passed away. And Jesus actually waited. He could have been there in time. He could have healed him so he didn't have to die. But Jesus stayed away and allowed Lazarus to die. And after he is dead and had been in the grave for several days, Jesus arrives on the scene. And Lazarus' two sisters are very, very angry with Jesus because he didn't show up in time. And finally, Jesus, he says, hey, take me to him. And what we read there, uh, the King James actually says, Lord, he stinketh. Okay, like, no, Jesus, you don't want to go see him. But this is what we read in verses 43 through 44. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, 
his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. You see, not only does Jesus want to save us from hell, he also wants to save us from our grave clothes. And that's very, very important because we go, oh yes, Jesus wants to save us from hell and he wants to make sure that we have eternity in heaven. And absolutely, yes, but he wants you to also have a really good life here today too. Now he doesn't promise that it's going to be a bed of roses, but he also wants us to enjoy the life that he has given us today and we can be set free, but we have to have our grave clothes removed and that's very important we need to quit allowing our past to identify who we are to allow our grave clothes of the dead person to be removed because we are in christ jesus now let's go back to first samuel chapter 17 and we're gonna uh pick it up in, in verse 4 so uh, in, in verse 3 last week, there were the two camps. There was the Israelites. They were camped out on one hill. And then on the other hill was where the Philistines were. And there was this valley in between. And now we're going to come to how everything starts to take place. Let's look at verses 4 through 11. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Nine foot nine. That's a big guy. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of, his, of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. His armor that he wore was 125 pounds. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. Just the tip, just the head of his spear weighed 15 pounds. That's a lot. And a shield bearer went before him. Now how many of you know who Shaq is? Who? Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. Yeah. Um, Yao Ming. Andre the Giant. I showed his picture last week. Like, those dudes were seven foot plus. Goliath is two feet taller than them. They were scared to death of what was standing before them. Have you ever noticed as well that our enemy, I mean, we look at Goliath and everything that we are laid out about Goliath. Have you ever noticed that the enemy that we face is very, very well armed? Satan is well armed. Goliath is well armed. Whatever we are coming up against will be well armed against us. Look at verse 8. He stood and shouted, Goliath, stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle. Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? 
choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So Goliath lays out this challenge. The word defy is actually used six different times in this passage. It means to treat with contempt, to scorn, to ridicule, to humiliate. Talk about a snapshot in time. What movie is this from? Yeah, it's from Troy. Yeah, we know that just from one scene, right? And, and, and so the, the two armies had come out. This is called representative combat. And, and so you had Achilles, who was a smaller guy compared to this giant. And this giant stands there, and nobody really wanted to go out and fight this giant, did they? But Achilles came up. And I'll never forget, there's the, the, the young boy that came to get Achilles. He said, he's a giant, and I would never want to fight him. And Achilles looked down at the, the, the boy, and he says, and that's why you will never be remembered by history. Wow. This was very common to see in battle. They didn't want to lose all their soldiers, so hey, the two best soldiers, they come out, they put on a fight, they put on a battle, and whoever wins, the other army just takes over, and, and, and that is who they are. What we read here is that the Israelites, they were dismayed. They were greatly afraid. These are powerful words. It means broken and filled with fear. The Israelites were broken and filled with fear. God, listen, God created the Israelites to live in freedom. God has created us to live in freedom. They were walking with God. Until this enemy came and started shouting at them. And the moment that this enemy started to shout, they stopped following God. They stopped hearing God's voice. Because all they could focus on is the enemy that stood in front of them. They could no longer hear the voice of God. We have to do the same exact thing. We must make sure that we are listening to the voice of God, not allowing our enemy to overcome, not allowing our enemy to be that voice that is the only thing that we hear. Goliath went and stood 40 days, 80 times, one in the morning, one in the evening. This is what we read, verse 16. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. You know, 40 is, um, 
used several times in the Bible. And whenever we read 40, do you know what is usually brought along with those words? Testing and trials. It's what happened to the Israelites. It's what happened to Jesus. And it's what's happening here again to the Israelites. They were being put to the test. God was allowing them to go through a trial. Would they stand up? All they could hear was the voice of the enemy. They couldn't hear the voice of God. If you've given your life over to Jesus, you need to know that the cross of Christ is what identifies you. It is what defines you. Absolutely nothing else. Quit allowing a snapshot to define you. We all know what happens to Goliath in the end, right? He's killed by a very, very small stone placed in just the right place. God overcame. God brought the victory. But they couldn't see it. And the same thing happens in our lives as well. We see this giant of an enemy standing in front of us and we say, well, there's no way that we could ever overcome. There's no way that we could ever win. Anything is possible with God watching over us every step of the way. But we allow that voice to overtake us, don't we? We allow the voice of the enemy to say, well, if the church ever knew what I was like, if they knew what I had done in my past, I would be scorned and ridiculed and I would be outcast. But what we need to see is we're not defined by our past, we're defined by Jesus. We can become so obsessed with allowing the enemy to define us that we don't allow God to define us. The Israelites hid. Verse 24 says, they all ran away in great fear. Whenever Goliath came out and stood in front of them in the valley, not even on their hill, down in the valley, the moment that he came out, they went and hid. Nope, not me. Not even the king was willing to go into battle. I think there are three things that the enemy, I know there are three things that the enemy cannot take from us. And that's what I want us to focus on right now. Number one, I want you to know that in Christ, you are completely forgiven. I want you to write that down. I want you to find a scrap piece of paper. I want you to take a note in, in, your, in your phone, whatever it is. I want you to highlight this. I, I want this to be burnt into your minds right now. In Christ, you are completely forgiven. And absolutely never forget that. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. We all need forgiveness. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here. And the only way that we get forgiveness is through Jesus Christ. The only way that we get forgiveness is through the cross. 
And we need to make sure that we never forget that. Paul describes that how we are chosen and, and, and the, the fact that we are valuable to God. And we need to remember that if we are in Christ, then we need to know that we're valuable. We need to realize, we talked about this last week, that we are his workmanship. Meaning, he has put in the work on us. And he wants to continue to work on us. He wants to work on us every single day. Are we allowing him to do that? Because we are completely forgiven. Again, look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. What price did God pay for you? He gave his son to die for you. You know, there's days that we don't really feel forgiven, do we? I know there's days that I go through that. That I don't feel like I'm valuable. That I allow my past to define me. But what I need to always remember is that I have victory because I have been completely forgiven. The guilt and the shame that come with mistakes from our past can keep us believing that God doesn't offer total forgiveness. But we need to hold on to the fact that we are forgiven, that he offers complete forgiveness to all of us. All we have to do is be willing to accept it. He put in the work, not me. Not any of you. He did the work. Now we're called that after we've been forgiven, that we need to continue to work out our salvation. That we have to put in the work. That we need to continue to read our Bibles. That we need to continue to pray. That we need to be a part of his kingdom work. That is what we have been called to do. But we're saved to do good works, not saved by our works. Always remember that. Nothing you can do can ever earn God's forgiveness. Nothing you can do can ever earn his grace. I love what he says here. Ephesians 1 verse 7. In accordance with the riches of God's grace. Verse 8 that he lavished on us. He lavishes that grace on us. And he wants, he is willing, freely giving that all to us. God has fully given his forgiveness and grace to you. Not because of anything that you have done but because of the work of his son, Jesus Christ. And that's number two. In Christ, you are chosen and valuable. You are chosen and valuable. We place a high priority on many things in our lives, don't we? Our cell phones. Our cars. Our license. It, it's been kind of nice that you actually have to have an appointment to go to the DMV right now? If you don't know, if you need something done right now, okay, you have to wait until the after the service. But you need to get your phones out and you need to book an appointment at the Stafford DMV because they just opened it up this last week and their appointments are already booking up. But if you need an appointment, it's open right now, so you better get on it. But they're already like, my, my daughter, she got on there, she's getting her temp, and she's like, Dad, Dad, I, I made an appointment, and I got to tell on her. 
um, she made her appointment and uh, she sent it to me and she goes, I, I made it because um, they, they opened up and so I, I, I went ahead and made the appointment and she sent me a picture of it and I'm glad that she did because it was to get her commercial driving permit. And I'm like, you gonna start driving a semi? And she was like, what? We got it fixed. But by the time, in, in 30 minutes, two days had already completely booked up with spots. So you better get into it or on it right now. But it's great. But we love having our driver's license, but none of us like to go to the DMV. We love having our cell phones, but we don't, have to, we don't like to have to pay for those bills that come in, right? Like, there's a lot of things that we place a high value on in our lives. Do you know what God did for you? He gave his one and only son for you. That if you would believe in him, that if you would accept him as your Lord and Savior, if you would ask for that forgiveness, he freely gives it over to you. You are so valuable and, and, and you are chosen. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. I want you to understand that he loved you so much that he sent his son. That he knew, he knew from the very beginning that he was going to have to send his son. He knew that Adam and Eve were going to mess up, yet he still allowed it to happen. You ever thought that kind of strange? I know this is going to fail, but I'm going to do it anyways. That's not something that we really go into, some, in, in, into it right now, is it? Like, none of us go, do you know that marriages, like, they actually talk about this for marriages? That, well, you go in and you get married, and if you make it a year, that's fine. Because that's just a trial run. That's not how this works. It's not about just having a trial run. None of us go, hey, um, I, I really want to try this new job, but I know I'm going to fail at it. But, hey, let's do it anyways. We don't go into it thinking we're going to fail. If we do, we're going to fail. But God said, I know that Adam and Eve are going to sin, but I'm still going to create them. And I know that Travis is going to fail and be a miserable failure, but I'm still going to create him and I'm going to let him be born. Why? Because he knew he was going to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die in my place. And to die in each and every one of your places never ever forget that number three in christ you are unconditionally loved in christ you are unconditionally loved the word here for unconditional love is agape complete and utter love like the love that you have when, when that when, when you first hold your baby before they vomited and peed and pooped on you you're like i will unconditionally love you oh, oh what was that you know no we still love them right like we would do anything we would put our lives on the line for our kids why because we have that love and it's the same love that god has for each and every one of us mark chapter 1 verses 40 through 42 and a leper came to him, to Jesus, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, 
if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched, ew, touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Why was it such a big deal for Jesus to reach out and touch this leper? Jesus touched this leper because he wants us and he wanted that leper to understand not how dirty he was, not how dirty we are, but that he loves us so unconditionally that he will put his health on the line to reach out and to touch us. It's not about how gross we are. It's, it, it's not about, I mean, li, li, listen, leprosy is nasty. If you've never seen it firsthand, if you've never looked at pictures of it or, or seen it, 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 it it's kind of gross. Yet, Jesus says that is not what defines this man. What defined this man? It was Jesus saying, I'm going to heal him. It's exactly what Jesus does for us. We are the leper in that story today. We're all gross. We are all falling apart. We are all dying. We needed the hand of Jesus to reach out and to touch us. I have a past. Each of you has a past. But it's not what defines us. It's not about our gross, nasty sin. It's about the fact that Jesus sees us as valuable to him. That God would do anything for us. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all have sin. But it is not what defines us. Jesus touched the leper to prove to all of us that he's not afraid of how dirty we are. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, he will reach out and he will touch you because he unconditionally loves you. We are the ones that have to get past our past. We are the ones that have to let it go. Jesus has forgiven us. Jesus has already died the death that we should have died. Are we willing to forgive ourselves? Jesus has. You are not defined by your past. You're not defined by those that are around you. Because anyone in this room that wants to judge you, they need to remember that they're sinners too. We are all sinners. And we all fall short of his glory. If you are in Christ, then Jesus has saved you from death and eternity that has separated you, you can now have. Of the three promises that we discussed today, in Christ Jesus... You are chosen and valuable. You are completely forgiven and you are unconditionally loved. 
Which one did you need to hear the most? Maybe it's all three. Maybe one really stands out to you. And as we prepare to take communion, that's the one I want you to focus on right now. I want you to just to take some time and allow that to sink in. That you've been forgiven, completely forgiven. That you are unconditionally loved. That you have been chosen. And that you are valuable to Him. I'm going to pray for us and then if if you don't have communion, you can uh, have someone from your family get up and, and get it for you. But I want you just to just to reflect on this last week. Maybe just this morning you have felt like this. You need someone to talk to. I'm here for you. Jared's here for you. The elders are here for you. We would love to be here for you however we possibly can, whether it's just being that listening ear, praying with you, speaking into your life, whatever it is, we want to be here for you. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. As we prepare to partake of communion, as we take of these emblems, we are so thankful for the gift of your son that you allowed him to come and to die in our place. He lived the life that we should have lived. He died the death that we should have died. Yet he chose, he chose to take on our sins for us. And we come saying thank you. We come asking for your forgiveness. Father, if there is someone here that has never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, and and they need to make that commitment today, that you will allow them to make it, that they will come and they will will seek me out to talk and to pray and, and, and just ask for guidance in their life. If there's someone here that has sin that they're struggling with and they need to just hear that they are not defined by that sin, Lord, that that you will send them to speak with myself or Jared or Justin or one of the elders. Father, I thank you for the gift of your son. I thank you for allowing us to meet in your house here today. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.